making sculpture and mixed media. Running now through February 23rd, the Cerbera Gallery is located at 2011 Baltimore Avenue in KCMO. The Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College presents the Bobby Watson Quartet on Sunday, January 15th at 7 p.m. at Yardley Hall. For more than three decades, Watson has contributed consistently intelligent, sensitive, and well-thought-out music. A saxophonist, composer, arranger, and educator, Bobby Watson grew up in KCK and trained formally at the University of Miami and was a musical director for our Blakey's Jazz Messengers. The Midwest Trust Center is at Johnson County Community College and can be found at 12345 College Boulevard in Overland Park. For more information on these and the many events that have been recently added, go to kkfi.org slash artskcgo. Hello, this is Marion Ross. You're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Well, hello and welcome to this edition of the KKFI Arts Magazine show. I am Michael Hogue, your host. Glad to have you with us on this uh, somewhat warm Monday here in the city as you listen to the Arts Magazine show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station, right here in Kansas City. 
I don't know. It depends on how old you are. If weren't alive to see the news accounts of uh, Woodstock, for instance, uh, you've at least heard about it. Did you know that Missouri had its own Woodstock about, oh, I'm going to say approximately four years afterwards? Yeah, we have a documentary filmmaker with us today, and uh, he did the story of and it's called The Story of the Ozark Music Festival. It was in Sedalia, Missouri. His name is Jeff Lugin, and we're going to have him talk about all of that on the show today. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Mike. Oh, I, I've heard about this over the years. Uh, didn't go, uh, but heard about it. There are a lot of legends. <laughs> well, it occurred yeah. a, a few years after Woodstock was when the promoter put it on. Yeah, it was actually 74, so five years. Did they have the idea of perhaps copying Woodstock? Was that in their minds at all, do you think? Well, the the brains behind it was Chris Fritz, which a lot of people know. He still, sure. still does shows around Kansas City. And he was certainly inspired by Woodstock. I mean, I think anyone that was in the promotion game wanted to give it, take a crack at a, at a full-scale three-day festival. So, sure. Yeah. And, and it, as, as I understand it, it had some of the same principles as as Woodstock and some of the same problems as well. Uh, uh, more people came than they were expecting. They were short of restrooms, as in Woodstock. Uh, a lot of really good parallels to that. All the festivals have certain things in common, but of course, this, you know, they all have unique elements too, and Sedalia, Sedalia's stab at Woodstock certainly has, <laughs> has stories only it could have, yeah. This, did Sedalia know what they were getting into? Well, if you ask anyone in Sedalia, they still will tell you. Well, they, they told us it was going to be a bluegrass festival, and they snuck in all these rock bands. That's that's not quite the truth. Um, but, I mean, there was – when they pitched it to the – well, to start with, it was held on the state fairgrounds, so they had to convince the state to let them do it. And they strongly emphasized bluegrass elements in their show. There are some bluegrass bands that play. They, they didn't exactly – Tell them that they were also bringing Ted Nugent and Leonard Skinner and bands of that. Ted's note. a great guy. He is a great guy, but he's not bluegrass. <laughs> no. I don't think anyone would accuse him of bluegrass. No. So yeah, uh, you know, the, it, there was some mis—I mean, salesmanship they would call it misrepresentation. The other side would call it. So you know, there you go. <laughs> I guess the full title of your documentary, and I'll let you say it, it, is a little longer, but I think it tells a lot of the story. Right. Well, it's the story of the Ozark Music Festival, uh, three days of Sodom and Gomorrah in Sedalia, Missouri. And the Sodom and Gomorrah line comes from the Kansas City Star. They're the ones that referred to that. And they're not the only ones. I mean, there was, you know, when people say Sodom and Gomorrah, they have various things in mind, and those various things certainly occurred uh, and so tell you that I weekend. think some of the people there probably thought that's what it was, but but they probably didn't know about Woodstock five years before. And well, you know, Sedalia has always been a conservative town. They didn't expect this coming, and when they wake up and the yard's full of naked hippies, <laughs> they certainly. Uh, I shouldn't be laughing, but I can't help it. No, well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of nudity, a lot of drugs, a lot of lot of other things that weren't uh, the norm in town. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, a, a lot of freaking out. So that's, that's pretty much the theme of the movie. Do you think, and he's still around, and if he hears this, he will might disagree, did he uh, expect that what would happen happened? Or do you think he even was caught completely by surprise? Oh, yeah, no one expected what happened. I mean, you know, there, there was a 
confluence of things that led to it. I mean, there, were, there was um, the security team they hired wasn't what they expected. I, I don't think they thought of the numbers. There were certain reasons. There's so many showed up. I mean, you know, he wanted to be successful. He, he, was, he was in the game. He just certainly didn't want to, you know, end up being banned from Sedalia for 30 years, which he was. Oh, no. Um, so, no, no. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's no real person to blame. You know, it, it's just um, there was some naivete on some sides. And, you know, they just they, they were more successful than they, they planned on. Um, there, the other two, there's three main people that, that put this, you know, Fritz was sort of the vision. And then the money guys, there was a Bob Shaw, who was a uh, advertising guy in Kansas City, and, and Sal Broncato, who ran Fairyland Amusement Park. A lot of people. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and this actually starts at Fairyland. They, um, they did these little shows called Carney Rock. Which was Fritz's idea. They'd have bring in, um, you could buy a ticket, go on the rides all day, and in the evening have a few bands like Ario Speedwagon or Blue Easter Cold or whatever. And so when when they saw how successful those were, Fritz was able to talk him into doing a full scale festival. And you know these guys, they were older guys, and weren't really into rock, so they didn't really understand what it meant to to <laughs> put on the three day full scale uh-huh. rock festival. So. Everyone was caught by surprise. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, well, let's let's start back. You said it was at the State Fairgrounds in Sedalia. Most of us have been there uh, for for other type shows. Yeah, yeah. So did did it cover most of that area there? I mean, with all the people that came, I would imagine the the what we think of as the State Fairgrounds were probably all all filled up with uh, the spectators. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's obviously a concentration of people in front of the stage, which was where the racetrack was. But you can see uh, it's camping and, and bodies and whatever scattered all through the fairgrounds, which is just part of the reason it makes it hard to give a get an accurate number of how many people actually went. It varies between 180 to 350,000. It doesn't – when you see the concert area, it, it's not as big as Woodstock there for sure, but – but it is a much wider area where there are people. So yeah, anyway. oh, Woodstock was tremendously attended, and it sounds yeah. like this one was really successful in that regard too. Not that they probably didn't make a lot of money, because as I understand it, a lot of people crashed it, as they did in Woodstock. Well, the money is a whole other issue. There's all <laughs> kinds of questions. What happened to the money? That, that that's covered in the film as well. Uh, um, but it had its own flavor too. I mean, it, the music definitely focused on kind of southern rock. And 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 bluegrass, you know. I mean, you had Earl Scruggs there, and Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, both of which that oh, do sure. bluegrass elements, maybe not pure bluegrass. Well, Earl Scruggs would be pure bluegrass, but he was with the Earl Scruggs Review, which was involved his sons and had more. You can you can hear folk influences, but nevertheless, not not something that's going to get the crowds going crazy like Aerosmith or. You oh know, sure. Well, let's yeah. talk about the bands then. Who all? Uh, was invited, and uh, what did they think of coming to a place called Sedalia, Missouri? Oh, yeah, well, a lot of them, of course, never heard of it. Um, and all the people that were invited didn't show up. Some of the more famous ones that didn't make it, um, Jefferson Airplane, which I guess was Jefferson Starship at the time, canceled fairly early. Bachman-Turner Overdrive was another one. They canceled pretty close to the wire. Bruce Springsteen was supposed to show up, oh, wow. but uh, apparently broke down in Chicago. Couldn't couldn't make it, but he ended up getting apparently showing up in a, to get his money, <laughs> which wasn't substantial. It was like five hundred dollars. 
well, imagine hiring Bruce Springsteen and the East Tree Band for five hundred dollars. <laughs> but uh, well, that was in the early seventies. Uh, right, it was before Born to Run. That's right. Uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra, which is another one that was billed, didn't make it. But um, I mean, those that did were still huge. You know, Aerosmith, Leonard Skinner, Bob Seger was there. Boz Skaggs, the Eagles, one of the big ones. America, um, Argo Speedwagon, uh, Leo Kotke. I mean, it was it was about twenty eight bands. I think it, there's no definitive list because it, it <laughs> you know there's there's a there's no definitive anything about this story. But the, I you know the, those are ones I have footage of and uh, music. So That's a that. great list of bands. Any yeah. one of them by themselves probably would have been good for a smaller Oh, concert. yeah. And tickets were only $15 for all three days. Wow. If you bought it in advance at the, at the gate, which didn't exist, was uh, $20. So. <laughs> I like Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking with Jeff Ludson. The name of his uh, documentary is The Ozark Music Festival. Uh, the documentary thereof, and, and we're talking about the event uh, in Sedalia, Missouri, what ta- what time of the year was it? It wasn't anywhere close to the state fair, I guess. They wouldn't have uh, Right now, was, this, this would have been that they would be cleaning up right now 48 years ago. It was July 19th through the 21st. So it wasn't that far ahead of the state fair. Right. That was, a, that was another issue. They actually thought they weren't going to be able to have it. I mean, the, <laughs> to cut to the end, I mean, the, the amount of trash and destruction was was impressive. Well, that's know. that's yeah. what I heard. Uh, yeah. When people do parallels between that and Woodstock, that's mm-hmm. one of the things they say. Though the massive amount of people, people crashing it, people there, the lack of uh, restroom facilities, uh, all of the things would give uh, yeah the people yeah. the people the state people uh, give them leeriness of having it. Well, as far as the restrooms, it didn't help that people kept setting the porta potties on fire. No, for some <laughs> mysterious reason. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, there was there was a lack of facilities, and you know it it, it really it's from the beginning. If, if they'd opened the gates earlier, that's where it, that's where it really st- immediately started to go downhill because there was this huge line of cars twenty miles long because they hadn't opened the gates. They thought they'd just open them Friday morning, but people were showing up days earlier, and it was just it, you know they called um, the road between Sedalia and Marshall Junction um, sixty five was a parking lot. It was only two lanes then, and no one. No one was moving. So um, that was another thing they didn't plan on. Yeah. So, and that, that's where the chaos really starts, you know, and the town just was overwhelmed. When, yeah. at what point did these little towns along the way yeah. uh, realize that this was not going to be what uh, they expected it would be? Probably by Wednesday. By Wednesday. You know, I mean, because, like I said, people are starting to show up early, and, you know, their behavior was unusual. <laughs> You know, they'd already taken all their clothes off and various you – know, someone told me about – he kept seeing this um, – I'll use his parlance. He said midget. A midget with a Siamese cat, and he was wearing a fez hat. And so I'm walking down Highway 65. I mean, it gives it a circus atmosphere, you know. There were, there were a lot of characters, and, and the town took notice. And, you know, a lot of them freaked out. I mean, got their kids out of town, sat up all night with their guns, expecting the Manson family to burst in at any moment. You know, that sort of paranoia. I mean, in 74, is kind of easy to understand. You know, there have been a lot of dramatic events, and all of a sudden their town is out of control. You know, no laws. So. <laughs> and there were no there were no police in the fairgrounds. They, they decided early to not go in there. Well, what could they do? With that many people there, right, there's right. not a whole lot of— uh, You are kind of on your own in a situation yeah. like that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And the security. They the security they'd hired they hired Wells Fargo to do it. And all Wells Fargo did was hire a bunch of untrained teenagers, gave them T shirts and whistles and said, Go do security stuff. I mean it was it was that bad, you know. So and most of the teenagers just joined the crowd. You see them in the photos. They're just they're there in the audience. Well, so, that w- yeah. that would probably work at a lot of concerts, you know, not not Maybe. to have police yeah. around. But, but you know, I mean, the thing was, it was so hot. It was over a hundred all three days. Oh wow! And you know, then you've got the. I mean, everyone's doing drugs. It's it's fascinating. I've got a tape someone recorded from the audience, and you hear all the all this talking. It's all about drugs. You hear people screaming for various kinds, or you hear people talking about what they've got or what they could get. It drugs, 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 drugs. I mean, it's. <laughs> I should again. Yeah. I shouldn't be laughing. Well, it's so different. It's humorous. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it, you know, it was just so open, and it's just what you did, and you know, thankfully there was a doctor who ran the hospital on site there that knew what he was doing. I mean, I'm positive there would have been dozens of deaths without without him there. When did they so. actually open the gates? And I, I guess I'm working my way up to when was the first act going to play and and who was it if you can remember yeah it was a a little known band but appropriately called fresh start um they started playing somewhere between 10 and 11 i believe uh the gates were supposed to open at 10 so i think there was a slight delay um i know a lot of people think well i shouldn't say a lot several swear they heard paul mccartney from the stage but i know why because they the the uh, sound guy said they tested the sound system with band on the run. Oh. So they were probably on the other side of the fairgrounds. And, oh, Paul's here. <laughs> no, that would have been exciting. Mm-hmm. They were probably hoping that uh, other bands would come, show up, and yeah, sh- yeah. just show up to play. Yeah, a lot of people talk. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young were playing in Kansas City that weekend, and they were all hoping they'd come down and join, but it didn't happen. Yeah. I think everyone that played was actually you know hired to play. I don't know of any that... Just kind of popped up, but uh, like I said, I well, when they did open the gates, uh, some people probably actually did have tickets. Oh yeah, <laughs> others yeah. others did not, but came in anyway. So, did they go over fences? Was there areas that they couldn't police? Of course, they had no police. A lot of the fences came down early. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the early morning, the, the high patrol was trying to figure out how to open those gates because that was, the, you know, the traffic was stuck and they were, they didn't want to be caught cutting the chains themselves with bolt, cl- bolt cutters. So one of the patrolmen, you know, they went around trying to convince some of the kids to do it. They turned their back, just cut these bolts, and they, everyone thought they were trying to trap them, you know, <laughs> some kind of a... But they wanted to get the vehicles off the highway, yeah, I mean, and they wanted to. to get them into the parking area. Right, right. And their parking area probably filled up really, really fast. Well, a lot of people abandoned their cars on the highway, too, and just started walking. So, you know, I mean, there are cars everywhere all weekend. Um, so, I mean, it's just a mess. I mean, that, that's it's a good thing they had the helicopter to fly the bands in, because, you know, I don't know how they would have done that either. So That's probably the best way. I, I guess yeah. they did do that at, at Woodstock, so they had something to, uh, yeah. to go by. Well, Woodstock makes, you know, I mean, I would say that's, that's the main difference in these festivals. Woodstock's out in the big field, and this one's in the middle of town, you know, yeah. so. Um, would but. it have been different, you think, if they'd have picked a place out on somebody's farm? Would that have well, yeah, it would have been different. I mean, the reason they picked the fairgrounds because you know it was the infrastructure was there. There was so little they thought they had to do, you know, but they didn't take into account the number and how the fairgrounds couldn't handle 
you know, maybe up to 300,000 people at once, you know, so. Yeah, and then that's a lot for the Missouri State Fair. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, the fair will do that over the whole 10 days or something, but yeah. <laughs> and just so much. I mean, just so much going on. I mean, you know, fires and, and just, you know, um, little pockets of acts of violence and, the, you know, ambulances are trying to get through and everyone's overheating and some things I probably shouldn't say on the, the radio. <laughs> well, clean yeah. it up as yeah. best you can. But I want people to get the flavor of yeah. what that was like. I mean, you know, the sex was everywhere, uh-huh. and um, which led to some dangerous things. You know, I mean, the town got to accept, okay, they're just going to do that. And there were, there were some people that got, you know, raped out in the, out in the open, and people were walking by just assuming – it's just those concert goers, you know. I mean, things like that. That's another part of the danger of the whole thing. You know, you, you get a group like this without security. And, you know, today just was ready for anything to happen. And it often did. But um, there was only one death, thankfully. What? And, uh, uh, how did that happen? I, I'm going I'm to say a heart attack. Uh, it was drugs. drugs. Well, <laughs> well, hang on. We got a heart attack, too, if you want a heart attack. And that's from one of the promoters. Oh, because, really? Yeah. That, and that, that leads to the, a whole... The myth is he had a heart attack on Friday. It was Bob Shaw, the um, oh, one of the investors. Yeah, one of the investors. No, it's no doubt why he had a heart attack. I mean, he was freaking out, and everyone in Sedalia thinks that he faked the heart attack, and that's how they got the money out of town. Oh, that, that's part of you know because everyone was convinced they made a lot of money, and there was no accounting for it. You know, by the end of it, it was all gone, and it sounds like you know a lot of it was stolen. Was sure. the city of Sedalia or the state? I, it's the state fairgrounds. Yeah. Were they supposed to get a percentage of the gate? No, no. no that, it was quite a sweet deal. It was just a flat fee, and the, <laughs> they even had in the contract that the, the fairgrounds would clean up afterwards. Oh my! Yeah, they regretted that one too. Yeah, I bet they did. Yeah, uh-huh. it was. Uh, it was quite, but because of all the people and yeah, the they did did not expect right. as many people as they came. And I guess that's always a problem. That's a problem with a normal concert. Sure, usually. sure. And yeah. speaking of that contract, that contract's the reason it, it happened because they wanted to cancel it weeks out, and they'd misread a line in there. They had their lawyers look at it. The line said that they, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but basically if they were going to cancel the festival, they couldn't do it until it started, which by that point everyone's there. So. Uh-huh. They were. They What's felt the hand- point in right? The- it was some clever legalese that the promoter's lawyer slipped in there that they, they overlooked. So, so the city, or, the city or the state, whichever entity it was, couldn't step in there and cancel it. Right. It was really the state, and that's that's that was another problem. You know, Sedalia didn't have control of state property that was in the middle of their town. Legislation came about because of this festival that gives the city control. Or you know, power over state decisions when it's in the middle of their town. But yeah, Sedalia didn't have a say, really. It was all it was all state officials. Yeah. So did it start off peaceable enough? And uh, no. And as it went, oh, it didn't. Well, I mean, there were there were there were drug busts several days before. <laughs> and I'll just tell you this, you know, they they we've got the highway patrolman talking about it. They went in there with these warrants, and um, quickly got out of there. Their cars were pummeled axes and bats i mean the car was apparently totaled they barely got out with their lives oh my so yeah that i wouldn't call that a peaceable beginning <laughs> yeah so. 
we'll see. I would have thought it started okay, but then as time went on and more people came, yeah. and I assume when it started, uh, there was less people than. And as time went on, I'm assuming now, more people probably came and more people came and more people came. Well, I mean, the crowds were huge from the beginning. It's it's hard to say when, you know, probably Saturday was when the, the peak, you know, number of people were there. But it's, I mean, like I said, people were showing up weeks in advance. Um, and they're actually, Chuck Berry had a, had a festival that kind of added to these numbers a few weeks prior. And his went off the rails, too. And the Highway Patrol notified Sedalia because they all they did they they just walked like they're coming down I seventy they're headed towards Sedalia you know and the, the those numbers added to the the festival too that was the next big one on their list apparently but um, I, I I believe so yeah. yeah well see there's some things you can't control I mean you could I guess if it's in an indoor arena or somewhere like Arrowhead Stadium you can have really tight security at the gates that's impossible in a situation like well that. you gotta you know this was all new territory you know fe- you know woodstock was five years ago but it's still no one had really figured it out um in a lot of ways it was still just kind of flying by the seat of your pants you know did um, anything happen well I, I i decided early i should probably go chronologically so so later yeah. then on friday yeah. uh things Still stayed calm, or was there some unruliness that started? Well, there was. I mean, I would say overall, there was. It wasn't, you know, insane. I mean, the big crowds, but for the most part, like I said, only one died, and, and they they were, they were maintaining. But you know, it was it was a pretty exciting time to be in there. I mean, Friday night was the Eagles and Joe Walsh. Wow. And so that you know, that was um, a lot of people were there to see them. They would have a big crowd. Even in those days, they would probably have a pretty good-sized crowd. Oh, sure. Yeah. And um, like what, what did some of the bands think of this? Uh, did it, the, well, it depends who you talk to. You know, oh, okay. Like the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band is one of the best times they ever played. They thought, they thought their performance was one of the best performances they ever gave. Now, then if you look at um, Bloodstone, Kansas City Band, they didn't have a good time. Uh-uh. <laughs> and you have to see the film. They get played a lot uh, on our station here. Oh, yeah. 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 You hear them a lot still. We, uh, we interviewed them at Gates Barbecue. They were, they were a lot of fun. But, yeah, they didn't think of it. I mean, they can laugh about it now. But, yeah, they didn't have a positive experience. Can, so. you, can you say what, that the reason behind their uh, – Well, I'll, I'll tell you what they said. You know, I mean, one, they, they were announced – people, they said everyone thought they were a, you know, a big rock band from England. They got announced that, you know, London's Bloodstone, because they'd been over there for a while. Oh, okay. And they said everyone was probably expecting a white band, you know. And then they, they also thought, you know, they, they go into natural high. And I'm not sure if this is true, but they think, you know, they didn't want to hear about natural high out in that crowd. They were winning. I, I don't know if, if that's the case, but they thought that might have led to some things. And they got stuff was thrown at them, and uh, <laughs> they couldn't wait to get out of there. And they also did not like the helicopter ride. Well, in, in <laughs> retrospect, uh, as they look back on it, did yeah. they realize that they were a part of history? I think so. It took some cajoling to get. I, I talked to two of the members. It was Charles Love and Harry Williams. And Charles has since died, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think that's why they talked to me because they realized it was a you know a big historical concert and they were part of it. We didn't really get too many bands. I mean, I'm you know I'm just a small lowly independent filmmaker so we got you know nitty-gritty dirt bands represented bloodstone did a phone interview with joe walsh um what did he think of that 
Yeah. Well, Joe, I, I love talking to the man, but he was he was getting this festival mixed up with others, I think. Oh, I saw, see. Yeah, <laughs> but he 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 remembered it, and um, you know, this is the time period he he was they were he was getting close with the Eagles. He's about to join them, so they they did a couple songs on stage here, and it's kind of interesting. This is the time they were getting close, so he was reminiscing about that. Um, but now he thought I. He had a great time. Oh, so, I bet they did. Yeah. If you had, uh, if any of us, not you in particular, but if any of us had been there, we'd we'd probably come away saying, "Boy, that was an experience." But, oh, but I guess if you were yeah. professionally involved, you wanted to get paid, all of that, maybe not so much. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've had so many people say this changed their life. You know, this is. A, I mean, particularly if you were fourteen. You know, you're not aware of too many things to quote that song, um, and then you just become face to face with. With it all, you know. I mean, it, if you were the right age, this this was the defining moment of your youth. I'll bet so. Yeah, yeah. Speaking with uh, Jeff Lugin, we're talking about his documentary film, uh, the Ozark music, the, the story of the Ozark Music Festival. It's a documentary, and when we come back, we'll we'll talk uh, a little more about the festival. Uh, itself, uh, how how things progressed, uh, who played on what night. I think that's important or, or what day or what night. I think that's important to realize because uh, more people probably kept coming, I'm going to think. But but we'll ask Jeff all of that when we return and come back and, and, and why Jeff wanted to do this documentary. I mean, you were there. Obviously, you decided before you wanted to do this before and you didn't know how it was going to turn out. That's one of the interesting things about it as well. All of this, when we return, you're listening to the Arts Magazine radio program right here on KKFI. 90.1 FM. Freeze Frame! Hi, I'm Russ Simmons with Freeze Frame, KKFI's weekly look at the newest cinematic fair in theaters and streaming. Tom Hanks plays a judgmental curmudgeon in the sentimental comic drama A Man Called Otto. A lonely and bitter widower must decide what to do with himself upon his forced retirement. While it's utterly predictable, its heart is in the right place and mostly works despite the story's obvious emotional manipulations. A Man Called Otto is square, but sweet and inoffensive. The gothic Netflix murder mystery, The Pale Blue Eye, boasts a great cast, an eerie atmosphere, and sharp period detail. Christian Bale plays a detective investigating grisly cult-related murders at West Point in 1830. Harry Melling is terrific as one of the student suspects, Edgar Allan Poe. Unfortunately, it goes completely off the rails in the final preposterous scenes. Still, the pale blue eye is involving for most of its two-hour, ten-minute running time. Luxembourgish actress Vicky Creeps won the European Film Awards Best Actress Prize for her work in the offbeat historical biography Corsage. She plays Empress Elizabeth of Austria, who experiences a midlife crisis upon her 40th birthday in 1877. She fears the loss of her youth and beauty, all that she's prized for, and chafes at her ceremonial role. The film is filled with historical anachronisms, and the main character is brusque and unpleasant. But the main problem with Corsage is that it's simply dull. What works on the page doesn't always work on the screen. That's the case with the Netflix film White Noise. Adam Driver stars in Noah Baumbach's thoughtful but awkward adaptation of Don DeLillo's acclaimed 1985 absurdist novel that castigates American consumerism. White Noise is a smart but uneven cinematic experiment. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Russ Simmons with Fox 4 and KKFI-FM. Freeze frame! 
This is the Jazz Geek inviting you to tune in every Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. for Jazz Afternoon, featuring a huge variety of classic, modern, local, and international jazz music curated just for you by a different knowledgeable and passionate host every day. That's Jazz Afternoon every weekday, 1 to 3 o'clock on 90.1 FM KKFI and streaming at kkfi.org. KKFI is listening, and your feedback helps to inform our decisions on current and future programming. It's important for your voice to be heard. So let us know what you think about our programming by going online and filling out the KKFI listener survey at kkfi.org survey. If you or someone you know is suffering from thoughts of suicide, you can dial the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or go to 988lifeline.org. This is a public service announcement of 90.1 FM KKFI. This is Maria Vasquez Boyd, producer, host of Art Speak Radio, inviting you to tune in every Wednesday, noon to 1 p.m., for Art Speak Radio. We serve up information about the visual and literary arts community, including live interviews with artists, writers, performers, musicians, art organizations, plus art supporters. That's Art Speak Radio every Wednesday, noon to 1 p.m., only on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. And welcome back to the Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. I'm Michael Hogue, your host. We're talking about uh, a documentary film that is, I guess, playing uh, going to be playing in Sedalia, if, if not this, well, well, what week is it going to be playing in Sedalia? We're, we're playing it in Sedalia this week. Oh, okay. Depending when this airs. Yeah, Monday. And, but I am going to show it up in, I mean, there's a theater I've been using in Independence. I know that people want me to show it at the Screenland and things, but I haven't been able to really... I've been renting these theaters on my own, so some of them kind of are high price. I'm yeah, to be frugal. Some of them can. So be. I've got a kind of a deal going with the Pharaoh Theater oh, okay. and Pharaoh Cinema Six in Independence. So I'll probably show it there again, along with the Wheel In movie. That's uh, you know. that's on the Independence Square. If you uh, you, you can go up there and all that. The Not Pharaoh. just the Independence Square; it's the historic. That's. <laughs> Independence Square. Yeah. <laughs> Goes all the way back to 1849. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> In Independence. But uh, but because uh, people want to know, they'll hear about this. They'll they'll hear this interview and they'll, they'll want to see it, I'm sure. Some people weren't, you know, a lot of people aren't aware of uh, of this even happening. Maybe that's because it's so long ago they don't remember. Or maybe yeah. it didn't get, I don't know, did it get big publicity at the time? Well, they definitely tried to sweep it under the rug. That is the phrase I always heard, you know, after it was over. Sadei didn't want to talk about it. The promoters didn't want to talk about it. The Highway Patrol didn't want to talk about it. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, uh, they didn't try to preserve a legacy or anything, you know. It just, it, really about the time we started this, which was in 2008, we noticed it, it popping up like, like Facebook pages or whatever on, on, online. But, you know, right before we started, there wasn't a lot online. There was a Wikipedia page, but not, you know, and I think, I don't want to take full credit, but I think us starting this got a lot of people thinking, oh, yeah, I remember, or, you know, called their friend in Florida who went with them and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, we've had a huge response since we started just from 
people want to relive their, their youth. And, Reliving yeah. their youth and hearing about it and not really knowing anything. A lot of people are, you know, if they didn't, if they weren't there, they want to hear about what it was like. And Sedalia's gotten over its trauma. I'm from Sedalia, so I grew up hearing little things about it. You know, I remember in high school, teachers alluding to this thing that happened, but I didn't care too much then. But I, I do remember hushed comments. It was never, yeah, they didn't want to promote this. They, they, you know, every five-year anniversary of it or whatever they, they put some in the paper remember that horrible thing that happened let's not do that again <laughs> kind of articles you know sure. but now i think there's more people that want to embrace it and um maybe even bring it back there's two different groups in sedalia attempting to do an ozark music festival 50th anniversary we'll see what that turns out like well they'll, yeah they'll probably try to organize it a little better well i don't think yeah there's certain elements you just don't want to bring back <laughs> But, you know, hey, it, it is a part of your our legacies, uh, for good or ill, it, it is. And so It's a huge the, part of Sedalia's history, too. I mean, it's, you know, Sedalia has odd little touches with music history, with their, their Scott Joplin connection, this festival. Now those two, I can't think of a third one. Oh, that, that's, but, well, that's um, good enough. But, you know, yeah. Um, so, you know, they should, I, I wish there's not even a plaque or anything on the fairgrounds. So, like, this is the site, you know, and I've. I, kind of mentioned that to a few people it'd be nice if there was something like that they should do that yeah. uh, that's that yeah. i can see where they were embarrassed maybe all these agencies at the time right but i think right. enough years have passed now that they could kind of let go of that and sure embrace the historical value of it all right yeah i mean most of the people that were really upset about it are now gone but you know <laughs> probably so. so yeah yeah well we left off uh friday night uh the things i guess that Things wrapped up, uh, what, I'm going to guess midnight Around or so. midnight, yeah. So, that was the usual. And everybody was supposed to camp out and go to bed. And they did, for the <laughs> most part. <laughs> well, good. But, you know, I mean, yeah, Saturday's the big day. It always is in festivals. And, um, you know, a lot of a lot of great music. Aerosmith comes to mind. Wow. Um, young Aerosmith, too. The, the photos I've got of them, they're fantastic. They look incredible. Um, but, but. Saturday night, you know, the, the promoter, I believe the term he used was full tilt boogie. And the, the, the final three bands were Leonard Skinner, Ario Speedwagon, and Ted Nugent. And Ted, of course, woke everyone up in town. I'll the bet. loudest thing on earth next to The Who or whatever. I'll bet. And it got really wild, and there were a lot of concerns about crowds. I mean, a lot of surging the stage and get off the towers, of course. Everyone always has to climb on the towers at festivals. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was that was the heaviest music, you know, particularly Skinner and Nugent and Ario. I mean, I, I unfortunately I don't have any very good recordings of Ario to hear what their performance was like. But we we've got some good stuff with Skinner and um, Nugent in the film. So yeah, that was that was the wildest musically. Sunday was obviously focused on calming down because you got like you know, Earl Scruggs review America. Charlie Daniels did play Sunday. He's probably the rowdiest, and but he it, it was kind of low key too. And Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. It, Earl Scruggs had broken up with uh, uh, Lester Flat by yeah, this time. I guess he was. I'm not sure of the history there. I know he's playing with his sons at the festival, and um, did he have any qualms about this? Now he's a well. He's gone. Now. He appeared to be yeah. uh, a, a pretty straight guy. When they were on like the Beverly Hillbillies and stuff like that, yeah, you know, that's a they actually played that song at the festival. Did it? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't know his opinion of it, and I I, can, I tried to reach out to some of the sons, and I, I just couldn't 
get a hold of him. Uh, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band seemed to think he liked it. And, and one of the stage managers said he was the best performer. He loved Earl Scruggs. So, I mean, they, they sounded good. But it was, yeah. That's that's the one thing, that it, the one bit of bluegrass that they can. Well, it was well, it was. We didn't totally misrepresent it. It yeah. was a bluegrass festival, after all. Yeah. But that was all. You know, it wasn't. You know, there was an ad in Rolling Stone, and they never call it bluegrass in that. And there were ad. The the MC of the whole thing, by the way, was Wolfman Jack. And um, oh, that's great. Of course, yeah. that that was before the midnight special days. No, it was during. It was during. It was during. Yeah. Oh, it, I'm surprised they could get him then. Well, yeah, they did, and that's why they, a lot of people think that. Um, the Midnight Specials ties to NBC, and that, that's why NBC filmed it. But I have found no evidence, and no one, you know, I think, I think there was some talk to try to have the festival filmed through Midnight Special or something, and it just, it just fell through. So, Well, why, if NBC still has the footage, why do they not put it on one of their streaming channels? Well, I don't think they do. I said the, the Chris Fritz said we tried to work out a deal and just fell through, and they uh -uh. didn't film it. The, the missing footage that I was looking for that I know existed was from the Sedalia TV station that was all confiscated Monday morning for the Senate investigative committees. And oh. there, there were three of these going on. And yeah, they're, they're exhaustive and they, they refer to the footage, you know, they, they showed a whole hour of it or something in the, in the committee and talk about how the highway patrol was going to preserve it. But the highway patrol on record has never been able to find it. So. Uh, well, I, see, that's, again, enough years have passed. Right. People who are worried about statute of limitations, I'm sure that's all passed. So except for some of the financial dealings, right. uh, everything else I think is pretty pretty much clear. So they should, uh, yeah, they should they should stream it and show it. They can. Well, I, it may not exist. I mean, I've tried. That's, that, I've would tried. Be, that would be awful. I know. I've, I got a lot of photos from the Highway Patrol. They did, they did keep some of the photos. But, yeah, as far as film from the TV station, and I was disappointed. I mean, I went all over, you know, mainly the Midwest states looking for archival footage because it was covered by several states, and no one has an archive of, you know, I, I would call them, like, I'm looking for some old footage in your archives, and they're like, oh, we go way back. Oh, great. Yeah, we go way back to 2002. You know, all the 70s stuff seems to they've just got rid of it. I mean, the, the best stuff I found was here. The Kansas City Museum has an archive of Channel 4 and Channel 9 stuff that just happened to be saved from a dumpster. And I had to – it's not even cataloged. I had to go through it and look for the stuff. So – and that's great stuff. Wish there were more. You know, I know it was covered, but no one saved it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame. I wonder what the thinking was. You you have to look ahead and said, well, maybe this is very unpopular now. But the day will come in the future when people will, will want to see this for its well, historical value. Right. Nothing else. But, you know, I mean, you can also say film takes up a lot of room. Well, when it you're does. At, you know. And it it disintegrates to a while if it's film. I guess I guess the same problem with uh, right. audio tape yeah. and, video, and videotape. I mean, I, who knows what the thinking is. It's just it, I was really disappointed in the amount of footage. We didn't find. But you had some yeah. of these famous people playing on stage. That alone, yeah. put aside the, the business parts of it. Right. Uh, right. All those famous people playing and footage of that. Why in the world even, would you want even, to get rid of it? Well, and I don't know how much of the bands would have been filmed by the TV station. But, you know, I mean, the Ozark Music Festival, can't, I mean, uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch voted it the top news story of the year. I mean, people were fascinated by it, you know. 
But yeah, every you know the best stuff I found was here, and then just people that happened to have eight millimeter cameras, which weren't a lot. You know, it wasn't like okay if know. if you're out there and you happen to have yeah. pictures, even if they're still pictures, Jeff could probably use that in some way. Well, I'm hoping to extend. I mean, I've got a, my the movie now is a standalone hundred minute movie, but I could easily turn this into four or five episodes. There there are some stories in it that. I'd love to expand that you can't do in a, you know. Okay, family. if yeah. you think you have something from there, don't destroy it. How would you like for <laughs> them to contact you so you can at least see what they've got? And uh, it's a part of history after all. Sure, contact Facebook would be the easiest. You know, we, we've called the company Dustbin Film, as in Dustbin of History. That was the idea. Everyone's wondering why we named our company after a trash can, but. Dustbin Film LLC <laughs> on Facebook would be the easiest way. Yeah, and because you, you never know. You, you might think that this isn't worth anything, but right. you never know. I know, right. And it, it's, you know, the search for it has been I, half the work. Yeah, yeah. oh, I bet so. Yeah. It, it it sounds like it was a long journey just finding what you had. Oh, sure. I mean, it's been 15 years. I can't believe I've been doing this for almost 15 years. Well, it, right. it, when you're passionate about what you do, it's uh, – it's not really work. It is work, but it's not know. really work. That's a nice little saying, but sometimes <laughs> it's really work. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm sentimental about. It. Like I said, I'm from Sedalia. It's great to see all this footage of Sedalia as I remember it when I was a kid. And you, know, you know, there's a lot of things that play in this thing that, just for me personally, you know, I um, try to capture a lot of things about. You know, to me, the movie, the best part of the movie is Sedalia's reaction to the festival more than the music. I mean, it's in there. But Sedalia's reaction to me is, is the funniest stuff and kind of the most the most interesting. Because they did. They I mean they 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 didn't just freak out that weekend. I mean they had post traumatic stress for years. After Was the that. investigation the state senate and yeah. 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 Now do they have records of that? They they probably have the footage of what they used in their investigation. Oh, it says in the transcripts that the footage would be under the highway patrols aegis you know um and the highway patrol you say they say like they i've done two two requests through using some state representatives and they still are denying see the thing is a friend of mine worked on highway patrol and was told by someone in the archives that off the record um they'll never admit they have it and and who knows maybe they actually don't have it i mean i'm sure things go missing from archives all the time Maybe someone took it to use it as a stag film. Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I unfortunately never was able to find this footage. And, you know, like I said, I know it exists. We talked to cameramen that worked at the TV station. They're the ones that told me how it was confiscated. Like early Monday morning, they came, they barged in and took it. They used the excuse of uh, they're doing an investigation yeah. probably to get it. Right. And, but they never brought it back. And I'm not sure that's even legal, but but sure. Okay, I guess yeah. we left off on Sunday. Uh, we were talking about you know, Scruggs, of course, and, yeah. and others. Uh, uh, how did it end up? Uh, America's the last band to play. That, that's, they've uh, got to have all that. Yeah, right. And it, from what I'm told, we don't have we don't have recordings of them, unfortunately. But you know, Horse with No Name was the last song, and that that seems fitting. And the footage of Sunday looks horrific. I mean, what what everyone had gone through. I mean, just the heat and the drugs, and you know. A lot of partying. I mean, it looks like Night of the Living Dead out there. <laughs> um, and some of the people in today would probably say that's what it was. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, particularly those that were involved in the cleanup, you know, come Monday morning. And, 
there were a lot of people to rouse and get out of there and apparently they didn't rouse them too gently they they wanted them out of town get time to go they didn't let them hang around sunday night they wanted them out of there before night on no monday morning is when they kind of linked arms and just swept the fairgrounds and got everyone out you know and then of course yeah then then the, the, the Senate investigative, you know, they were they were wanting some heads. They were sure they were going <laughs> to make whoever did this horrible thing pay for it. And I think they realized that j- there was just no one to blame. I no. mean, there there was some lack of foresight for sure. No. And it kind of became a political game, too, because there, there was an election coming up. And, you know, the Republicans were in power and the Democrats saw an opportunity. Because Kit Bond was fine with this. He, he was aware of it. And he ended up losing election, I don't think, because of the festival. But I'm sure he lost votes in Sedalia. Um, so, yeah, it became very political, and then just kind of went away for thirty kind years, of, forty kind years. Kind of faded years. into history, but but you're yeah. bringing it back, right? Right, <laughs> in some weird sort of way. And uh, you'll you're showing the movie, uh, and this will air Monday the 25th. So will the movie still be airing at the Pharaoh? Then? Oh no, I don't have a date yet for the Pharaoh. Oh, okay. Should, yeah, oh, great. I'm great. still working with them. It was easy. I, I, last time I booked it, you know, COVID, they weren't showing anything. So I, I'm trying to work out a good schedule. But well, sometime in August, we'll be showing it. Oh, let us know. We'll, yeah, uh, we'll mention it on, sure. on the air uh, as, as much as we could. Now, you have another one we can't spend as much time talking about, but uh, uh, another famous attraction in Sedalia. Yes. Um, the Wheel In Drive In. It was, it's actually the first thing I ever tried to film. I have to say try because we did a mess of a job on some things but it when it was closing in 2007 we decided that this would be our first stab at documentary filmmaking i say we me my then wife uh and uh, another friend of mine and i've been sitting on this footage for 15 years and i was just going through it a couple months ago and realized this was this would be the 75th anniversary of the wheel in drive-in so i put together a, a half hour short and I know, I know, you know, Wheelin, I think, was more famous or more beloved in Kansas City than in Sedalia in a lot of ways. Because so yeah. much, I mean, there's a lot of lake traffic. Um, and that, that was like the spot you knew to turn for the lake and you'd always stop and get their most famous item, which was the Goober Burger. And they they get the credit, really, for inventing it. And it's, it's basically a hamburger with peanut butter on it. But they were known for the Goober Burger. I mean, even... Such luminaries as Jack Nicholson went there oh, wow. for a Goober burger. And it was a sad, you know, when it closed and they, they tore it down. It was such a, the word's overused these days, but I would have to say iconic. I mean, if Sedalia looked, that building was what Sedalia was known for, if anything, I think. And you know, it's gone. So, I, yeah, my, my half-hour film is just sort of a, I don't know, sentimental love note to it. <laughs> sure. and it shows a lot of what we captured. And I did a few recent interviews to kind of fill out the story. But, um, yeah, huge part of Sedalia. And, and once again, they've, they've turned their back on their most interesting history. You know, it, it shouldn't have been torn down. No, of course not. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. 75 years, and that would have run from when to when? Well, the 47 to 2007 was 47 yeah. to 2007. Yeah. Okay. So. so a lot of people probably, and people coming back from the lake probably were familiar with it. Uh, oh, yeah. Well. Everyone, lake is the, yeah, everyone knew that that was where you turned to go to the lake, and they'd always stop, usually both ways, get the Goober Burger going, have a few on the way back. Sure. Um, is this the kind of films uh, you like to do? Uh, both of these are, are a mixture of these. Uh, uh, your kind of film. 
Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> it'd be nice to do something I didn't have to do with Sedalia. I mean, it's my hometown, <laughs> so, I, you know, film what you know. That's right. Yeah. I mean, at the Wheel Inn, we, we heard it was closing, so we knew we'd better jump on it, so we filmed as much as we could. And actually, filming the Wheel Inn led to the festival film in a lot of ways because so many people talked about, you know, how the festival impacted Wheeling. I mean, you know, several people were like, you know, they had to step over all these naked teenagers to get in the building, and they <laughs> ran out of everything, and it was chaos, you know. I mean, Wheeling isn't far from the fairground, so it, it also was impacted. Uh, the, um, the, have uh, any of them say uh, they probably remember the festival then because they were open for business then. Oh, sure, yeah, how were they? Yeah. Uh, how were they affected, or do they say? Well, like every business in town. I mean, it was it was a twofold thing. I mean, they sold out of everything. Oh, sure. But then there was also just various chaos. I mean, like I said, they were having to step over bodies to get in because they were all just crashed out in their parking lot and... You know, everything else that goes along with having naked rock fans in your, <laughs> your business. Well, the, yeah. these things happen, and it is a part of history. That's yeah. I, I, I laugh, of course, and for some people it was all fun. For other people, it, I guess it was probably traumatic, but I can't help but laugh yeah, because but it, I remember the context of the 70s, right. and you can't help but laugh. But it's a sort of traumatic. I mean, they love talking about it. It's that kind of, you know, it's, it's like a big disaster that— is fascinating. I mean, I probably go into a donut shop tomorrow morning somewhere in Sedalia, and there'll be a table of old guys talking about the Ozark Music Festival. Because, you know, everyone had a story. It kind of brought the town together in an interesting way, a common <laughs> disaster, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and it was just, you know, so big and so overwhelming. You know, how could it not? And, you know, probably one of the last interesting things to happen in the old town, for sure. Yeah, well, can we say who's thinking of trying to bring back the music festival? Uh, is it any of the promoters? Probably not Mr. Fritz, I, although he still does things. I know he does. Yeah, no, Fritz isn't involved, at least not yet. As uh, a gentleman named Donnie Cunningham, who's trying to do it on his own. And uh, another group, and I don't know what they're calling the other group. They're kind of, I have to say Donnie Cunningham has more a wild rock show in mind probably than the other group, which is more about embracing the history of it. Who gets done what? I don't know. I've been I've been filming everything I can of their activities. It's kind of interesting. You got effectively two battling Ozark music festivals, so <laughs> uh, who knows? Um nothing may come of it. Hard well, to say. That's yeah. that's that perhaps might be true. But yeah. but you know, you have to do something with your history. Uh, and it always comes back. You know, for a long time, you know, people were ignoring certain aspects of history in this area of the state. And and now they're starting to come back. And I guess the Negro Leagues Museum and uh, several of uh, sure. those players are sure. in the baseball, National Baseball Hall of Fame now, after being ignored for years. Right. So sometimes you take your history and uh, you reinvent it, so to speak, and bring it out. So. Oh, that's an interesting word. Yeah, reinvent yeah, it. I mean, reinvent, yeah. the Ozark Music Festival gets reinvented every time someone talks about it, you know. I mean, I, I have no idea how much of my film is really true, and I, I hope that comes <laughs> across. But I, I, part of, you know, the theme is kind of this the, the urban legend aspect of it, you know. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? You know, <laughs> what can you say about that? That's, uh, but yeah. it's, uh, it's all part of uh, lore. And, you know, just to blow up the story, because, you know, call it solid, it, it, it makes it seem quite biblical. It does. Yeah. 
<laughs> it does wow. indeed. Well, uh, thanks for coming. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure a, talking to you. It's great talking about things uh, that I didn't know much about. Yeah. And this was one of those things. And uh, I, I can't help it but chuckle. Uh, I guess you could chuckle at other people's problems as long as they're not your own. <laughs> but it is a part of history, and it should be examined for uh, its historical value. And, yes, people were traumatized, but it was, it was nearly 50 years ago. See, to me, I mean, my take on it, the history part is important, but it's also just a lot of fun. I mean, it's a, I think I've put together this not to toot my horn, a pretty funny movie. I mean, I am playing it for the laughs in a lot of places. I mean, it's not completely, you know, mayhem. Sure. There's some serious <laughs> stuff. But, you know, it a lot of funny things happened, and, uh, well, you just have to come out and see uh, it. Yes, and, and, what, uh, and what all happened. And like, like I've been trying to point out, it, it's all a part of our history, and uh, rather than ignore it and not mention it and uh, hide the footage and all that almost 50 years later that accomplishes nothing <laughs> and you know i mean i wish i'd done this sooner but you know the the people that this history matters most to are getting older you know that's right who knows who will care about the ozark music festival in another 50 years or the U the ufo people use that same term they'll say uh, uh there were people alive uh, at roswell and they're almost all gone now and uh you know, what What are we going to do? And uh, you get out as much as you can. Right. And we've had a lot of young kids come out just interested in that time period and, you know, seeing what their parents or grandparents were up to. Yeah, Sometimes see, they don't want to know. To, to see Grandma in that footage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> wouldn't recognize Who her. Who knew so Grandma was so hot? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Uh, he, he's wearing a T-shirt, keeping it wheel, and obviously that's uh, he's talking about the wheel-in drive-in. Well, uh, not ex this is a different wheel. Oh. I'll, I'll play along for the sake of the show. Okay. <laughs> but those are the two documentaries right. he has out, out right now, and he's thinking of a third one, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. It was great meeting you. You're just a That's wealth of you. knowledge on uh, what happened there, and uh, I'm glad I know you. Yeah, I'm a walking encyclopedia of dirty rock shows. That's right. We all need to know. Thanks so much. Thank you, Michael. For uh, coming on in and talking to us, yeah. Uh, the jazz Canadian is next. He's from Saskatchewan. I wonder what he thinks of this. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll have jazz from 1 to 3. And in true KKFI tradition, we'll have the blues from 3 to 6 right here on your community radio station, 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City's community radio. So until next we meet, ladies and gentlemen, Probably not in Sedalia, but somewhere at that crossing the road. I'm Michael Hogue. We'll see you next time.